SAFM. Good day to you, Mzansi, and welcome to the health edition of Otherwise. My name is Shadow Twala, and you're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. The show is produced by Hazel Makuzeni, and our technical producer for today is Gunnet Nguiniga. Our contact details are 0892-102010. Email otherwise at safm.co.za. Tweets at otherwise SAFM or at Shadow Twala. Now, if you are in medication for type 2 diabetes but still cannot control your blood sugar, then civil engineer Monogram Govender has some advice for you in his book, Diabetes Defeated. We talked to him about his findings. Then, founder of Endometriosis Foundation Africa, Namakaya Mkrina, shares how we can support women all over the continent who suffer this condition. But first, our lunch bite for today, and it's taken from the book, Diabetes Defeated, found in Monogram Govender's uh, writings. And it's a quote by Nikolai Tesla. My brain is only a receiver. In the universe, there is a core from which we obtain knowledge, strength, and inspiration. I have not penetrated into the secrets of this core, but I know that it exists. The human being is a self-propelled automaton entirely under the control of external influences. Willful and predetermined though they appear, his actions are governed not from within, but from without. He is like a float tossed out by the waves of a turbulent sea. I hope he explains that and what we should take from that. Uh, And we're back when we come back talking to the author of Diabetes Defeated, Manogram Gavinder. Yes, that's right. You can call me Mano for short. Mano, hello. How are you? Hi. I'm good, thank you. And how are you? Listen, I don't know if I should say congratulations or um, because, you know, trying to read through your book and I didn't quite complete it because it does get technical at some point where one, if one is not a scientist or medical practitioner, uh, some some ideas are difficult to understand. I, I did that because if I had to write a book which was purely based on information, I have no credibility. So I had to then demonstrate that what I'm saying is not an old wives' tale, mm-hmm. but has some scientific and, and medical research basis for any conclusion that I have to draw, which I say actually works for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason I have to draw a line between being purely informational and being purely technical and a thought of some kind of a medium in between so that people can understand that I'm not trying to come up with something that hasn't been said either a medical practitioner or a scientist somewhere. Mm. Now, hopefully we, we can get it diluted for the man in the street to understand and hopefully get some advice from it to uh, kind of learn from your journey. But talking about your journey, t- just tell us a bit of background. When did it begin and how did you go about to embark on your own research? It actually began 13 years ago. In, in March 2002, so it's, you know it's been a long time. Uh, I, it began with the usual symptoms, you know, frequent urination, thirst, tiredness, typical symptoms of diabetes, and it came came across quite suddenly, and it was shocking at first uh, because I thought I had re, uh, had a reasonably healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. but uh, but coming from a family whose background my father had diabetes, I thought you know I would have known better, but the reality was I didn't. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much of information out there that some of it, you know, actually benefits us and some of it doesn't actually benefit us. Mm-hmm. So I followed the advice of dietitians and doctors. And being a professional, I felt I could consult the best in the field. And I did that for 10 years until I realized it actually wasn't working for me because I was getting worse. 
what started off initially as just a single medication gradually grew to a point where I was carrying around a bag of medication for different ailments mm-hmm. and, and basically feeling like an old man when I was older than I mid 40s with no mm-hmm. energy and all kinds of symptoms relating to arthritis and anything that you could think of high blood pressure. And then it occurred to me, you know, what Einstein always says, doing the same thing and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. Mm. And I knew I had to do something different. And that's what set me on my own journey to find out how would it be possible for me to actually regain my health. Now, I'm, I'm thinking that you're probably most, most uh, learned, I guess, to, to identify those symptoms that a lot of people ignore. And, and we're talking about uh, symptoms as, 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 as simple as being thirsty more often, uh, going to, to urinate quite a bit, and you're hungry more often. And, and you said it led to smaller other things. But you obviously knew your body very well to recognize those things, those changes that were happening um, in, in your body. Uh, well, for me, it was it was gradual. So it's, it's, diabetes is actually one of those silent killers, and you don't even realize it. And I attributed it to, you know, a, the aging process at that time, which was 13 years ago. I thought, this is the kind of symptoms that one goes through as one ages, until I found myself slowing down considerably. And then it occurred to me I needed to go and have myself checked out. And that was about the best thing that I did, because then it, you know, it meant that I could do something about it. Now, to, to uh, the uninitiated, what happens in our bodies when diabetes kicks in? I mean, w- what are the causes? We hear things like high blood sugar levels uh, 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 and, and not enough insulin. Can you explain and simplify that for us? Yes. Uh, yeah. What happens is that diabetes can be described uh, by medical professionals as being symptoms relating to high blood glucose levels. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel that is a wrong approach. That's only a symptom. It's not the cause. Uh, and often we find medicine focuses on bringing those blood glucose levels down. But if you go back to the definition of diabetes, it's both glucose intolerance and insulin resistance. Hmm. Now, what that actually means is that we are consuming far too much of carbohydrates, which the body converts into glucose over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And effective, effectively, because there's far too much of that carbohydrate and you're producing substantial amounts of insulin over a period of 20 years or whatever the case may be, our cells become resistant to the insulin. In other words, the cells say we cannot, we cannot absorb any more glucose because we are full. Mm. So it stops, stops utilizing the glucose that is available. And as a result, you get insulin resistance happening. In other words, initially the body produces far too much of insulin, eventually leading to a condition where those cells that produce the insulin burn itself out. And in burning themselves out, they stop producing the same level and quantities of insulin. Hmm. So that's how I began to understand it. And to me, that in itself demonstrates to me where the solution lies. The solution lies in the definition rather than in the symptoms. Hmm. Because the focus has been historically on trying to get the insulin resistance down by managing uh, by, by making the cells less insulin resistant and allowing the carbohydrates and in the form of glucose to enter the cells. I felt that, you know, that was a traditional approach and it wasn't really working because the numbers of people with diabetes was rocketing and it wasn't actually working for myself because I'm needing more and more medication and finding increasing levels of 
Now, what sort of questions then should one ask their medical practitioner uh, when they suspect that they they have the condition or they have some of the symptoms that you talk about? There must be a special conversation that needs to happen to get to the truth that you believe you found. I think the way medical professionals largely, and I don't mean this in any disrespect because I have a great admiration for the level of training that they undergo, but unfortunately, when it comes to diabetes, and I don't know as much as a doctor, so I'm, I'm providing information as a layman. When it comes to diabetes, the focus has been, as I mentioned, always on lowering blood glucose. So when you go to a doctor, the first thing a person has to ask is, do I have diabetes? And give, give the kind of uh, symptoms that they would experience. But the traditional response will unfortunately look at those glucose-lowering medication rather than getting to the root of the problem, for example, if you have a condition called lactose intolerance mm. and you go to the doctor, the doctor will tell you, do not drink milk. If you have a peanut allergy, the doctor will tell you, do not eat peanuts. Unfortunately, the medical professionals are trained not to tell people that if you are intolerant to glucose, they don't tell you, cut down your carbs. They tell you, take this medication. You understand what I'm trying to say? So they, they may be able to diagnose the condition but a doctor will only spend about 10, 15 minutes with a person in the surgery, which is far too little a time to adequately explain exactly what changes are occurring in the body and how to remedy the situation. So what are we to do, Managran? That's one of the reasons why I wrote the book. I wanted to bring a little bit of light based on my experience. And once again, I emphasize I don't have all the answers. I have far more questions than the answers that I present in the book. And I'm sure there will be questions critical questions that may arise directed at me for what I have to say, but fortunately for me, I've got the research, I've got the evidence, and I back everything that I say. There are people out there, I know, considerable amount of research has been done primarily overseas uh, in, in countries like the US and the UK, but in South Africa there's also a movement led by Professor Tim Noakes who has got the medical professions into thinking that yes, we need to do something differently. I'm not suggesting for a moment that he has all the answers himself, but I think he's, he's started a debate, a critical debate, which is far more essential than what we've been traditionally to- told is the best form of treating diabetes. Now, a lot of it seems to be a, 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 a whole lifestyle change because I suppose we need to eat differently. We need to exercise differently. There's so many things that we need. I, I suppose there's also a, our mental stability or psychological stability that comes into play. And without having read your book fully, um, where, how important are all those um, issues I've, I've, I've mentioned? You hit it on the head. There's those three aspects, the mindset, the diet, and the exercise. Unfortunately, most people just focus on the diet. And as far as I, from what I've learned, that only addresses about one third of the condition, knowing what to eat and what not to eat. The other aspects relating to the exercise, people don't pay much attention to because people don't make the time and effort to actually do that. And as far as the mindset is concerned, I haven't come across a single other person actually dealing with this matter in a way that can positively change people's lives. For example, when you talk about mindset, people don't understand the impact of stress on the body. A doctor will say, yes, lower your stress levels. If you go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist, they won't really be able to adequately 
address the issue rather than prescribing medication to lower to, as antidepressants or whatever, whatever may be the case. But the reality is that by taking charge of the kind of thoughts that people have, they're able to control the level of hormones that are released by the brain and other parts of the body, such as adrenaline, cortisone, cortisol, all these are stress hormones which gradually erode the body. By controlling the mind and, and having the right mindset, which meditation helps, and that is one of the reasons why I mentioned one third of the book has spent on dealing with the mind itself, primarily because to deal with this illness, you have to approach it from the perspective of the mind first, then you move on to the diet, and then you move on to the exercise. Do you think, wait, I want you to please stay on the line. I'm going to take a little break, and I want to ask you about how even somebody who does not have the diabetic condition may be able to use this book and benefit just to have a healthy lifestyle. Think about that. And when I come back, we'll talk some more after this. Well, Otherwise, on SAFM. My guest is a Durban North Consulting civil engineer, Mano Gavinder, also the author of Diabetes Defeated. And it tells of his journey uh, to defeating uh, diabetes. And Mano, I asked you just before we went to the break, if it is possible that your book can also be used and applied, I suppose, to change someone's lifestyle even before any disease or, or, or diabetes itself. Yes, most certainly. From my own experience, when I started off, years ago, my body fat percentage was at 28%. It's currently sitting at about 16.5%. So that's the first thing. The second thing, I've also experienced a dramatic change in my body structure, which means I under, underwent a significant amount of weight loss. So everything that I applied, as far as my diabetes is concerned, resulted in me losing considerable amount of weight around the visceral area and around the organs which leads to disease. So from what I can describe, anybody wishing to lose weight can actually use a similar type of principles as what I've applied in my own life. Secondly, this is almost like an accident that happened. As a result of my applying these techniques to myself, I also experienced something, what I would describe as a reversal of the aging process. Mm. What, what, what I really mean is that I'm now over 50 years of, of age, and I should be living the life of a 50-year-old, which is what I'm experiencing. But if I looked at myself 10 years ago, I already felt like some, somebody in the 60s or the 70s in terms of my energy level. So relative to where I was 10 years ago, I had experienced considerable uh, reversal in the aging process itself, which means I may look like I'm 50 years old, but I may actually feel in terms of my energy levels the last time I felt like when I was 30 years Old, which is like you know, 20 years ago. So for me, what I've experienced is in changing my lifestyle around, I've become uh, healthier, slimmer, and a lot more energy and vitality. But at the same time, some of the techniques that I apply and describe in my book relate to me having greater fulfillment and happiness in life in the sense that I'm, I'm no longer uh, surrounded by the area that may, of depression or general negativity that pervades people in the conversations. I've managed to extricate myself from that condition, and I live a far more fulfilled life now than I did, say, a few years ago. 
There's also, I, I see in your book, a lot about visualization because you, you say here, how do you visualize the renewed you? And this is during your journey. You need to almost see the end result. Yes. Uh, the reason I, I, I used to be a manager of corporate strategy as well, at one of the uh, staples in Chokwazan in the town. So I've applied these techniques which come out from the business management side of things of strategic planning, but also at the same time, with the, with, the, with the gurus that like Deepak Chopra and, and Robin Sharma will describe these kind of techniques which apply to personal development. So mm-hmm. learning of the business science with personal development results in a composite which I use almost like a strategic planning and goal setting for an individual, but also mm-hmm. using the visualization techniques to emphasize the mind-body connection in getting the body to change itself. Mm-hmm. For example, I mentioned the hormonal response which occurs as a result of the thoughts that one has. If one is stressed, the body starts to heal itself. Similarly, by having and control over the kind of thoughts that we have, for example, if you're in an emotional state of experiencing love, the body produces hormones which are called exotocin uh, and various other hormones which help the body to heal and grow. So it's expansive. So when I talk about the mind-body connection, it's about the physiological reaction which occurs in getting the body to heal itself. And this is the techniques which I've, which I've described and have used in, in my own personal life to regain my health. Now, you say you've, you've stopped taking medication altogether. Yes, I don't take any medication now for two years, and I've never been healthier or better since then. Have you but seen... It, wasn't, it, was, it was a very considered decision. I must emphasize, I wouldn't encourage anyone to do that without proper medical supervision, you know, of a, of a medical doctor. Well, I was going to ask you, have you, have, is that an endorsement from your GP that you are, um, that, that you can stop taking your medication? What I did was I took charge of my health in the sense that I take the advice of every single medical professional that I consult, but I make the decision myself. When I go to my GP, as I do every six months, just to verify that I'm on track, Mm-hmm. I do a test which is called the HbA1c, which most people with diabetes will recognize, which measures the glycation of the hemoglobin. What that basically tells is a historical three-monthly weighted average blood glucose reading, if I could use those words. And according to those results, I am no longer diabetic. I cannot be classified as a person with diabetes. Well, we shall advise everyone, though, to take your book with serious, serious advice from their general practitioners. And uh, and and hopefully get get it clarified then. But uh, your book is available at all good bookstores. Yes, it is. Uh, it's available at all bookstores uh, and on the internet through the various internet platforms as, as an electronic book. Okay. I thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and uh, all the best with the book. I'm hoping when I finally finish reading it, that we possibly can have another another uh, conversation and maybe uh, bring in some some medical practitioners to to unpack it huh? yes i'd welcome that i'd like some clarity on a number of issues uh and i'd welcome the opportunity to, to debate some of these ideas that have arisen stay healthy mano thank you very much thank you thank you bye bye diabetes defeated manogran Gavinder is his name Re-engineering life forty-two. Um, 
yeah, interesting, very technical, I must tell you as well, in some parts. And yeah, slightly esoteric too, but do do get yourself a copy or go and look for him online. Manogran, uh, as in M-A-N Fanelli, O-G-R-A-N Fanelli, Governor. And he, he did say the book is also available online. It's called Diabetes Defeated. When we come back, we're talking endometrial. Mm-hmm. I knew I'd get stuck. Endometriosis. That Otherwise, on SAFM. Now, apparently endometriosis affects one in ten women, and yet it's completely ignored and untreated in Africa. Ms. Nomakanya Mklina, who's the founder and executive director of Endometriosis Foundation of Africa, we'll call it EFA. Uh, she's also uh, personally suffers from endometriosis. She joins me now on the phone. Nomakanya Mklina, thank you, Sissi, for joining us. Thank you, thank you so much, Ma, for having me. Thank you to the listeners as well. Now, why why is is endometriosis not spoken about as often as it should be? You think? Well, for many reasons, but I'll give you a few. Blood uh, in our culture, in the continent, that is, blood is seen as impure. And it's not something you talk about. Periods are not clean. They are seen as something unclean that Mm -hmm. occurs to women. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we are taught that it's a private matter. When you have your period, you just, you know, close yourself away from people. And it's your own issue. You don't need to blurt it out. But also, uh, it's cultural, religious and the society we live in mm. as well. So it's a number of issues actually that lead to that. But also the most important one that I want to highlight is that we as women think pain is normal. And we think pain that is associated with periods is very normal. And that is where we get it wrong. So for years we walk around carrying this pain and not doing anything to check if it's normal or it's something serious. So we just walk around with pain, assuming it's something normal, and it is not normal. Well, I, I f- can't overstress that. I found, in fact, just to stress it some more, this quote on your website that says, suffering in silence is not an unfamiliar concept to black women. We're taught yes. above all else to be strong. Historically yes. and presently, our strength has been a necessity for survival in being strong for ourselves, for everyone else. Too many black women are walking through life unhealed. Absolutely, absolutely. That's how we live. You have to do what needs to be done to feed the children. You have to do what needs to be done to to get the day, you know, going to show up. You need to show up at work. You need to show up at school. Just do what needs to be done. Just be strong. You'll be fine. Your mother has done it. Your grandmother has done it. Your sisters are doing it. Your friends are doing it. So why can't you? Hmm. No, no, Kenya. So let, let's take it back somewhat. What are we talking yeah. about when we talk endometriosis? It's a disorder because I don't want anyone to think it's just having your period. It is not. It is not, and that is where we also, you know, sort of create confusion. Endometriosis. The the medical definition for it is that it is the tissue that resembles the lining of the uterus growing outside of it. So, in simple terms. It's abnormal growth outside the uterus. Mm, mm. So it's not growth that is not is, that is supposed to be there. It's not supposed to be there. Hence the pain. So it could be found anywhere, uh, you know, including the uterus, the ovaries, the fallopian tubes, the vagina, the bladder. So it's all these places where 
it's not supposed to be this tissue. And your bowels, so because it's normal growth. Yes. Your bowels, because also that you know, with with menstruation, there's a way to 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 uh, lose the, the 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 lining, if you like. Uh, but but with with when your endometriosis is outside, so it gets trapped, so it cannot exit the yes. body in any way, right? Yes, unlike normal period. So that's why it's very important to emphasize that it's not normal period; it's growth outside the uterus, which is extremely abnormal. Now I'm sure it affects childbearing as well. A lot. In fact, endometriosis is described as one of the leading causes of infertility. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the tricky thing about it is that endometriosis, uh, you know, it's in two ways. Uh, most women experience extreme pain, and that makes them rush to see, you know, a medical practitioner to find out what is wrong. But in some cases, women without pain necessarily actually realize when they are struggling uh, to conceive mm-hmm. and they then consult a medical practitioner then they are told they have endometriosis so it could be in two ways it could be extremely painful but it could be very silent in some women and of course the cycle comes back then that traditionally when you can't have children then you are not a good woman no in fact i remember having a conversation with a cousin sister of mine and i said to her i've reached a point where i refuse to be defined by my uterus <laughs> my ability to bear children or not is not who i am as a woman but in the african context in our culture in our society childbearing is a big thing and if you cannot children, especially within marriage, then the stigma, the isolation, the pain that comes with that is indescribable. And I know that you personally suffer from endometriosis and what, are there different stages? Are there, what are you doing for treatment? How are you, how are you surviving, if I may call it that, throughout your life? Because it's painful, as you say, and how are you dealing with the pain? In fact, I was diagnosed with endometriosis uh, over 10 years ago when I was still 23. Mm-hmm. And it was due to the fact that, you know, over time, my period started at 13, if I may give you a background. Okay. My period started at the age of 13. And from the onset, there was a lot of bleeding that came with it. And normal over-the-counter pills did not do the trick. My Mm. grandmother would run around making home remedies to try and alleviate the pain. Mm. But from the age of 18, I had to be put on contraception to manage the heavy bleeding. And in time, it got to a place where just to manage the pain, I was now taking 44 painkillers, seven to 10 days a month. And that's when I knew something is completely wrong because it it just kept growing. One minute it was this, the next it was becoming worse. And even those 44 painkillers a day did not necessarily allow me to leave the house, to go to work. Well, this is it, yeah. No, they just allowed me to bath unassisted, to walk myself to the bathroom unassisted, and try and make myself food, but that was about it for the day. Everything else I I had to depend on people. And this was a chunk of your months? Yes. Two weeks of my months, I'd be completely bedridden. Now, uh, in terms of treatment, uh, there are many ways uh, to treat and to manage endometriosis. And it's very important to mention that there is no cure. 
at the moment. However, there are a few available options out there and the right medical practitioner would then advise a client depending on on the stages as you mentioned because there's a number of stages it mm. varies from stage one up until is it four or five mm. and so once your medical practitioner has diagnosed you then they will say what type of treatment you need to be on and for a proper diagnosis you need to have what they call a laparoscopy mm. which is a medical uh, procedure where they cut and put in insert a camera and look for the cysts and remove them from the outside of the, the, the uterus well depending where they are mm-hmm. yes so there are many ways from contraception oral contraception to surgery so there's a variety out there but none of that is a cure it's only part of the management of it and that's what i am on as well i've also had a laparoscopy and i'm now on a certain type of contraception which actually allows me to breathe and i can skip my periods to allow my body to heal Hmm. but this is not advisable without your doctor checking and saying it's okay namakaya are you do you have children I don't have children. After I was told I might be infertile, I never tried to tell you the honest truth. Mm, mm. When I was when I was diagnosed, it was such a traumatic experience because you know before you went to the news, you were struggling to pronounce the word. Mm. It reminded me of what happened to me just after I was diagnosed. It took me two weeks just to pronounce the word. And after the diagnosis, I was sent to Dr. Google for more information <laughs> and for more help. I was literally on my own. Dr. And I had to look up more information, what this is, because it was a lot of information in one. I was told I have this illness, which needed surgery, but I was also told I could be infertile. So a woman doesn't just face one thing at a time, usually just a flood of them and it becomes extremely emotionally draining and painful so what what does then EFA do what does it intend to do well uh, the organization was formed and designed to address four main pillars which is research and the reason for that is that we say one in ten women are affected by endometriosis globally however research in the continent is extremely limited and so we need to be able to check the prevalence in south africa we need to check the prevalence in the continent and Mm -hmm. actually find out why is it that uh the global researchers would go as far as saying african women are hardly affected by endometriosis Mm -hmm. is is it due to under reporting are we so silent about it or is it really a few of us who are affected by it Mm -hmm. so research is a very big part of what our organization does education and awareness is another huge part of what we are doing then there's policy influence based on research and the public awareness and conversations we hope to influence uh, the sexual reproductive policy nationally which would lead then to access better access to treatment for women Mm. especially women in rural areas Nama- and township areas Namakaya, i know that um you you have a professional i suppose gynecologists or other departments that you work with um and and maybe in in, in the future would like to have you and them come for a further conversation 
of the process, I suppose, you know, looking at the management you've given us a taste of, but also what the operation entails. Yes. You know, it's very, and, very important. And, and, and maybe go deeper into the symptoms because another word that I, I heard when I was at high school and I've never used much before is dysmenorrhea, which is painful. Ah, yes. <laughs> it's, it's one of the words actually you come across. It's all these complicated words. I know, dysmenorrhea. What is that? You know, it, it, it really, I suppose, is the telltale sign that there may, you may be a, 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 a victim of endometriosis. In fact, with me, they said that was one of the symptoms dysmenorrhea, which was something I also had to go to Dr. Google for. <laughs> so it's all, and you wonder, you can't help but wonder if they come up with very difficult, you know, words simply because this is seen as a woman's issue or that's just, you know, a term that was appropriate for the thing. Because we can hardly pronounce these things and we suffer from them. I tell you, I tell you, but it has not affected your relationships with, with, with your partners. It does. In my case, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, once I knew what was wrong and I could pronounce it, <laughs> secondly, I was then ex- able to explain it. Mm. And because I now know where to set my expectations, it's very easy for me to communicate it and say, and I think men can be extremely supportive when they understand what this is and mm-hmm. how it affects them because one of the other symptoms is the you know is pain during sex mm-hmm. and that can seriously affect intimacy in a relationship a woman constantly you know worries about the pain that will come with that the partner doesn't want to cause you pain mm-hmm. because you know so mm-hmm. it, it, it brings a lot of emotional stress and pain into the relationship but with proper communication and the right information, it's much easier to manage. No, Makaya, I so thank you for talking to us today. How do we get hold of EFA? Is there a website? I think there is. There's, yes. there's, there's a website. Uh, it's called, it's spelled EFA, but pronounced E-V-A, which is EVA, which means life. Ah. In Hebrew, yes, because we are trying to speak life into our uteruses and not illness. <laughs> So it's www.efa-africa.org. And then we also have a Facebook page, which is the Endometriosis Foundation of Africa. That's our Facebook page. And you can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at B underscore Eva. Yeah, at the underscore Eva, yes. The whole Twitter thing really confuses me. So, no, no, we'll get you, we'll get you into the swing of... <laughs> so, we, we, we are everywhere. Fantastic. And our website will direct you to all these other pages. Thank you so much for talking to us, and we'll talk Thank again soon. Thank you so much for having us and for allowing us to speak more about this and create awareness about the illness. I can't say to you how important this is. Oh, we'll continue the conversation. We'll continue the conversation. Thank you so Thank much, Namakai. Thank you, Mam Shadow. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. There you have it. Uh, EFA, um, dot org. Yeah. Go to website. Website is efa.org.za and then the, 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 the Facebook page is EVA and at B underscore Eva is Twitter. But go to the website. It should give you all the information you need.